again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times, this is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. We have another loss to talk about. I'm sure Hokie fans are not thrilled about that. Boston College gets it done in Lane Stadium 31-21. We will break that down. What went wrong for the offense? What do we think about the defense uh, patched up? Uh, how they played? And then we'll get into the Pittsburgh matchup this week, which is another one of those coin flip type games, and we'll predict the score, and we'll get into our pick three after that. Mike, uh, let's just start with your general overall thoughts on on what we saw against Boston College. Yeah, it was kind of a strange game. I mean, uh, Virginia Tech had the lead at halftime, uh, another bad second half, uh, which has kind of plagued this team probably through much of the season. Um, You know, you kind of thought A.J. Dillon might go off, and – uh, that didn't happen, and I think that's obviously a, a big positive coming out of that game, especially, uh, you know, Coach Fuente talked about how at one point they had eight freshmen or, or true or, or redshirt freshmen on the field at one time defensively. Um, but I, I think, you know, you have to be concerned here. You got three games to go, so you're still in the Coastal, but I think that's got to be the farthest thing from this team's mind right now because they got to figure out a way to win games. Um, and you kind of, you know, you look at it and not everything's broken, uh, but not every, certainly they can't rely on anything to kind of get them through these games. And I think that's kind of the biggest issue. You know, you talked about where you're missing a veteran presence and it's kind of might be there where you just don't have anything. You could, oh, we can rely on our run defense. Oh, we can rely on, on getting a turnover or, or, you know, the run. Get, they don't have anything kind of consistent where they can fall back on right now that can get them through these kind of tough times. Yeah, and I wrote about the running game. I mean, I think I think that's such an important thing that they're lacking. You know, you just you talk about not being able to rely on something. I mean, they can't. If you don't have a running game, you can't control the clock. You can't set up these passes that you want to throw. Uh, you, you just can't. And I know fans. I mean, if you just read fan comments online, they're they want less running. They just want to throw it all the time because they're just giving up on the run. But, I mean, I understand where Colonel Nelson's coming from in terms of just wanting to create some sort of balance. What do you think about the play call? I mean, I know the play calling is probably the first thing that people, you know, if it's not the quarterback, then it's going to be the play calling that people go after at when the team loses or doesn't perform well offensively. Anything you're seeing there, I mean, I know neither one of us is, a, is an expert play caller, but, I mean, anything you see there that just seems too predictable or, or, or you know, not imaginative enough there oh you know i think they've done a decent job i mean you look at some of the guys that you know they're, they're getting uh, a lot out of some of their skill players i mean dalton Keene's kind of picked up in recent weeks done some good things with him damon hazelton they're still finding ways to get him the ball even though defenses are obviously focusing in on him since he's such a talented uh receiver they got the ball to eric kuma in the end zone so i mean they've done things um but you know i think it goes back to you know there are people i think Maybe the expectations were too high once Ryan Wilson was in and played well that first game that you kind of thought maybe they wouldn't miss a beat. And I, and I think they're just not as comfortable with Willis with some of the things, not necessarily the, the big throws or anything, but just the down-to-down consistency that, you know, uh, he said that the first half was Willis, the best Willis has played all year. But the second half, again, there's there's those mistakes that kind of add up in execution. And so I think it's, you know, I don't think it's play calling. I think, you know, my point, I would have. I think the question's fair because what do you do to shake things up? You know, you can't go three weeks in a row and change nothing. Like you said, you're not going to really change the quarterback because I don't think Hendon's the answer there. But what do you do differently? And you look at play calling, but you know, uh, Fuente was unequivocal that they're not going there, and that's not the issue. 
Uh, but it's hard for, I think, fans to hear and hard to kind of wrap your head around, well, it's execution you know, what, at different spots at every time. You know, I, I, I think you want to see some more progress and you want to see some more changes. Well, if, you know, guys aren't executing, you got to get them off the field or, or change things up. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and or over call again. a play that they can't execute. Well, right, call a play that they can't execute. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I think I think – Winning cures everything, and uh, you know if they were if they were winning these games, uh, none of these these discussions would be happening. I mean, I think people would be very happy with Cordelson, but look, you're right. I mean, it is it is a legitimate question. What do you do to change things up? Because it does feel a little bit like Groundhog Day right now. Yeah. I mean, it feels like I mean, you know, you you talk about execution. Okay, well, execution is you know something that you're supposed to hone in practice and you're supposed to go out there and do that's also the responsibility of the head coach and you know and of, of the coordinators and everybody else so if it's not there i mean i mean i think and i think fuente said that i mean i think if you take yeah the i don't think fuente's pa- passing the buck by any means saying like look it's not us right. he's saying it's us we have to get them set up you know on game day everything that's come before game day is on us and, you know, we have to have them ready to be able to execute, and they haven't done that. So I, I, I don't think it was, you know, I, I, the, the, the quote that jumped out to you was when he said there's 100% play execution, not play calling. Um, but I, it, it, like you said, there's context to it, and I think he's saying, like, we have to do a better job from me on down to get, be able to fix this. Um, but like you said, how many <laughs> – you can't wait till next – fans aren't going to wait till next season for them to start executing the offense. So – um, and I think it's frustrating uh, when you see sort of, like I said, I thought Boston College was a pretty mediocre team, um, and you don't want to lose against mediocre teams. And all these teams in the Coastal are, are fairly average. And, you know, Pittsburgh's playing better now than it was earlier in the season, but this isn't an unwinnable game. And so it's a matter of, like, I think it's frustrating when there's a player two and you could win it. You want to be able to make that player two. I mean, that's the difference, right? So um, I, I understand – where fans are coming from. Yeah, I mean, frustration is going to happen at this point. I mean, it's just it's just the way it is. Um, what did you think of Patterson when he was in there? You know, it, he's going to give you a different look, and I, and I think as a change of a pace, you know, maybe they do that. Maybe that they put in a, 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 a – give him a couple of plays earlier in the game they did against North Carolina. It kind of gave them a bit of a, a spark. Um, you know, Fuente said that he's not running the whole offense, that, that he's not really probably not going to be able to throw much. So, you know, you can't really go to him for an extended period of time. But um, I could see them giving him a, a series of plays again, maybe earlier or not, you know, because he had to come in for uh, when Willis went down with an injury um, in that second half. But, I mean, maybe that's a way to shake things up put him in the first quarter or something or second quarter give that different look uh i mean sometimes that can get you out of a rhythm but i mean this this offense uh in that second half was really out of sync far before patterson came in so i mean maybe that would have worked maybe that would have done something i wonder how much you asked willis today we're taping this on tuesday i mean you asked him today about the hit he took in the first half where he got just crushed by a blitzing unblocked Things weren't the same after that. And, yeah. and I mean, you wonder how much that influenced. And then he he had one play where he bounced off the turf and you know kind of was wobbly after that. Um, he took some licks. He's a big kid, but I mean, there's only so much you can take before it starts affecting you. Um, and so you wonder if that was you know if you're playing the best half of football you've played all season according to your coaches, and then all of a sudden you go off you know and and, and you can't move the ball very much at all. 
you wonder how much health was was part of that. Yeah, we still don't know what was it they were looking at his head. Were they looking at his ribs, his arm? You know, what what were the things that was at that second injury? They were, they're not talking about it, and I understand why. But uh, and he didn't have anything wrapped up, and he said, you know, he's moving on, he's fine physically. But uh, you know, you you get a get a little gun shy when you take a big hit. You know, to stand in the pocket again, and you know he's a guy that's been fighting for extra yards and fighting. Uh, you know, obviously he's earned his teammates' respect for how hard he fights and 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 toughness. But it's, at some point, you got to be careful. I mean, the one hit wasn't his fault, but the other one could easily slid uh, and kind of given up. You know, you, you know, leave yards on the on the on the field. But at this point, they can't afford him going down either. So he's got to be smart and got to be careful, I think, going forward because he's taken some shots. I mean, I, I, I added it up, and he's had a 43 rush attempts in the last four games. That's more than Josh Jackson had at any four-game stretch last year. So he's run the ball a lot, and a lot of those plays aren't designed runs. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's feeling a lot more like uh, 2016 yeah. than, than last year. Uh, what, what do we make of Hendon Hooker getting one snap – uh, the ball hits his face mask and fumbles it away, and all of a sudden he doesn't play again. There was a little bit of a discord between the explanations that Fuente and Cornelson gave. Uh, they said that, you know, Fuente kind of made it sound like that fumble wasn't in the discussion, you know, as why he didn't come back in, because that was a really high snap. I mean, quarterbacks got to field it, but um, it, it wasn't totally his fault. But Cornelson, uh, offensive coordinator, said today that did factor into why he felt better about maybe changing things up and going to Patterson for a few plays. Um, they say Hendon would have came in if Willis would have been ruled out for the rest of the game. But, you know, obviously I think that there's going to be a discussion after the season with, with you know, Hendon's got to be feel a little frustrated in some of these moments where they could have gone to him. They haven't. Um, uh, but obviously Patterson, you know, has done things. You know, when he's coming to the game, he hasn't made – he didn't make Cornelson look bad for the decision. So, uh, I mean, I, I that was my first question after the game, why go to Patterson in that situation? Just something interesting to see going forward, um, especially, you know, if Willis does go down again, what what do they do? Did you watch that Pittsburgh-Virginia game on Friday night? I did not. Okay. I, 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 I was, I was, was there paying attention that. to the score. It was interesting. I, I hate – I did back-to-back. Back. But um, uh, the game plan and how it evolved with – I thought Virginia threw a lot, especially in that weather. Yeah. Um, the weather cleared up after the first quarter. It was fine. Um, it was it was pretty temperate uh, conditions. But, yeah, they – I mean, it was surprising that they were not able to score more points than they did. Um, Virginia has had a, a very good – and they, they weren't able to get it to Zacchaeus. Um, and so you wonder, you know, will Pittsburgh be able to take away – Hazelton or, or or neutralize him like like Virginia's best receiver was neutralized. They're different kinds of players, but you know, Narduzzi is pretty good at, at running that press coverage and, and and really making you earn it. And Vir Virginia Tech, the last time they played in Pittsburgh, um, threw up a ton of 50-50 balls, and they had the receivers, of course, they had the big three to make those plays, and that's all they just kept doing. Uh, and so you wonder how many of those they're going to try in this game. Well, that seems to be their strength almost now. Yeah. This, this, you know, it's, it's weird to say because that was the big question mark, but what, one of the consistent things they've been able to do is go back to Kuma and go back to Hazleton and kind of get those. Uh, I mean, look, those were really hard-fought catches, that the, those touchdowns both. 50-50 uh, kind of contested balls. And so you kind of say that maybe that's a good thing, that, that that's where, they, where they've excelled this year um, at, at times. Yeah, I mean, 
I remember sitting there on Saturday and, and thinking maybe my column is going to be about how much these receivers are helping out Ryan Willis because yeah. so far, you know, the first half, that's what that's what the story was. They were making extraordinary plays, which were reminiscent, as, you know, as I mean, I know you weren't there for that game two years ago, but it was that that's how it was. I mean, anybody who remembers that game will remember that's how that game was won. Um, Virginia Tech is a three and a half point underdog. I think that's reasonable. I think that sounds about right. Um, you know, they've won two in a row against Pitt, but uh, historically they've not been good at Heinz Field uh, until that last trip up there. What do you um, what do you see as the biggest challenges for Virginia Tech going up in this, in this environment? Well, the, I think the defense, uh, what, what players are going to play, I, I think it's very up in the air. Uh, Rivers, Hewitt, and Ashby are still day-to-day. Watts is out. Oh, he's got a fractured forearm. They've stopped short of ruling him out of the season because, I mean, in theory, I guess he could play in a ball game. But, I mean, he's out for the rest of the regular season, essentially. Um, what are they going to do at corner? I mean, they played well in the in pass protection. I mean, uh, pass defense, that was their best game of the season outside of Georgia Tech, who didn't throw. I don't think that counts. But, um, uh, you know, they, they had Rodgers at free safety, Diablo at the whip. So they had a bunch of pieces moved around. Do they go back? Ladler was suspended for that first half, but they kept him out because things were going well. Do they go back to Ladler? What do they do with what do they do with Watts's spot? Um, I think that's kind of your your number one because this defense has been very up and down and more down than up uh, going into that Boston College game. But they played well enough to win. Um, can they build on that and can they um, get a few more impact plays, negative plays? Because the offense has been inconsistent. Um, I think that's where you look first. Just what what players are going to play a, a Saturday, essentially. Yeah. yeah, they could use some turnovers, man. That would help, right? I mean, I, I, I'm trying to remember if they had any recently. I mean, it just doesn't feel like – Did they force a fumble, I think? Yeah, just but, run, I mean, but it doesn't feel like they've had uh, a lot of those splash plays that, that Virginia Tech is known for creating, you know. And, and I know Foster was saying, look, you know, there's only so much pressure you can bring um, when you've got guys that don't, you know, are, are, are new. And it was kind of funny when he talked about them today – he was like, you know, somebody asked, you know, how good it was to see how eager they are to be out there and playing. And he's like, yeah, it's good that they're eager, but they also got to play well, you know. And well, Rico Kearney said that in practice he has a, a way of illustrating that. He's like, my two-year nie- two-year-old niece can play, but, <laughs> <laughs> but but can she play well? So uh, obviously he's hitting that point uh, home for them. For I'm those not young sure she, she's eligible though. I'm no, not, not I'm eligible, not sure. but she could certainly stand in there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and at this point, they're not freshmen anymore. Most of these guys have been playing, you know, seven, eight games. So you have to say, you know, you're not you're not getting thrown into the fire here. I mean, you're you've seen a lot, uh, and you have to start producing. Um, you know, and it, the, the linebackers played well. I mean, they had a whole new linebacking core: uh, Rico Kearney and Dax Highfield. And I thought they played pretty impressive. I mean, there were bumps, but uh, they combined for 28 tackles. Uh, Kearney's 18, where I think the most since 2003 for an individual player. So I mean, they were all over the field. Um, and when you, and AJ Dillon's probably the best player they're going to play this year, individual talent uh, uh, on offense. Um, so there's some building blocks there, but. They just got to put it together, and, and uh, you know, Ricky Walker, uh, we mentioned this after the game, said, you know, the mood's been pretty bleak in Blacksburg right now, and, and we, we really need to turn it around. I thought he said something interesting, too, about he said – somebody said, well, what have you learned about those times where you had to fight to get into a bowl game? And he said, well, I've, I've kind of learned that it's all about UVA. It's all about beating UVA. Um, now, the problem is 
they got to do something before then <laughs> to make that game matter outside of the rivalry, outside of the 14 in a row, which are all important things. But they've got to win one of these two games before that. Um, and there's no certainly no guarantee that they're going to do that. Um, I think there's an easy metaphor to be drawn, and I'll probably draw it on Saturday. Last year when they played for Pittsburgh, that game was lost. I mean, they, Pittsburgh had four shots from the one-yard line. Uh, a miracle tackle by Reggie Floyd prevented a touchdown, but it looked like it wasn't going to matter. Four shots from the one-yard line, goal line stand, amazing finish. Um, and I feel like that's kind of where Virginia Tech is right now in their, in their season. I mean, it feels like they're the, in the goal line stand of their season. Yeah, it sure. feels like they're they're pretty much defeated, right? Like they're they're beat up. Um, you know, look, they're they're not they're not uh, playing you know Clemson these last few games, but it feels like it's going to take a lot for them to win any of these games. It just kind of feels like an uphill struggle a little bit. Um, well, so you know, they have three road wins, and uh, yes, and it's interesting. You know, it. It's not interesting. <laughs> never interesting. It's never interesting. Uh, it it might not be a coincidence that they're playing that they have three and that they're playing better away from home. Yeah. Um, it's a young team, uh, and they've and Coach Fuente said, well, they don't sort of focus on it. They have brought it up that we haven't played well at home this year, and so maybe whatever it is, it's distractions or getting in your head or the pressure. Um, maybe playing away from home is sort of the will cure some of these ills because. Uh, you know, win against Duke, uh, beat Florida State, beat North Carolina all away from home, and you look like a mo- almost a different football team um, where things don't look as sort of hopeless at times that they've always started to come back, you know, face some adver- adversity against North Carolina, uh, came out strong against Duke. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's playing well and, and the best they have all season, and, you know, maybe you look at that North Carolina as their blip in the road, but, I mean, they haven't convincingly sort of, you know that it was a fight against Virginia. They didn't just sort of waltz waltz all over them. Um, so maybe getting out, getting into Heinz Field, uh, which isn't as much of a home field advantage because you're not they're not selling it out. It's not. Oh no. You know it's not just all uh, Pitt fans. Um, maybe that's sort of a, a cure for them. Maybe that sort of helps. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think it's one of those. Uh, it's you against the world, you know. And I think there's times where you're at home. And something's not going right offensively, and you feel extra pressure because it's like you can feel this this crowd waiting to erupt and not being able to erupt, and sort of like this. Or sensing the frustration and, and feeling sensing bad. Sensing the frustration yeah. of those around you, and 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 wanting to give them something to cheer about, and not being able to. Um, and none of that is a factor on the road. And you're right. I mean, it's not an intimidating environment. It's not. Um, you know, it's well, Florida State was intimidating, and they played well there. They did. This, but this isn't going to be like this. This is going to be like a nice little afternoon out and out and playing football in the in the field. You know, it's it's a cavernous stadium. It is, and you're not when you don't fill it up. It's not. I mean, it's not going to be intimidating. It's just going to. I, you know, players like playing in those NFL venues. Sure. You know, they like playing those big, big league uh, uh, stadiums. So you you know maybe it's the the first step to trying to kind of right this ship, uh, and because you know you mentioned it today. You know, they're not thinking about it, uh, but that they have the Coastal to play for. And, you know, I know it's not a focus, but, I mean, that's one thing that's kind of prevented, you know, seasons can go off the rails, but they haven't yet because they still have everything to play for. And it's crazy to even say that or think that considering that they've looked, you know, played poorly and, and lost to. But 
Yeah, it is. It is pretty amazing that that they're in that spot, and 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 I I believe them when they say they're not thinking about it because it has to be. It has to feel so much of, of a challenge just to win a single game, just to go one and zero, which is their mantra. Like that actually makes a ton of sense right now to think that way, as opposed to thinking, well, you know, we still got everything we want to play for. No, 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 like you cannot be thinking that big if you're Virginia Tech because you just haven't played well enough and you're too beat up uh, to start thinking anything other than uh, what's what's immediately in front of your face. Yeah, and, and I think this team's had focus, and, you know, the coaching staff has continued to talk about how they've been pleased with the, the effort, and those things aren't lacking. And so, uh, you know, teams can, can mail it in and quit, and this team hasn't done that, uh, but they just need to find a way to win a game um, right now because they're in desperate need of it with uh, three to play. All right, let's get to our predictions. Do they win the game? I mean, I, 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 I'm going to do it one last time. I'm going to pick them, and then I'm going to give up. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I just don't I, – look, that North Carolina team was by far the worst team we've seen play this year, other than William and Mary, I guess. But um, uh, And so a team that Old could Dominion. lose – A team that could lose – The Old Dominion looked good. A team that could lose to North Carolina doesn't inspire confidence. So say uh, 31-28. Virginia Tech. 31-28, huh? Okay. I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair. I think Virginia Tech's defense will play okay again. Um, I'm going to take Pittsburgh, and I'm going to say Pittsburgh actually covers the spread, too. I'm going to say 24-17. Uh, and and I, that's going to put the onus on the Hokies to beat Miami and beat Virginia. And what do we know? Any, any anything else on this uh, possible rescheduling of a game? Or? Nothing yet. Uh, obviously, I think after this week, it'll kind of determine what way they want to go. Right. Um, uh, there's a few p- opponents left that they could possibly schedule, but uh, you know they haven't talked about it and haven't sort of made it a focus. I think they would have done it by now if they were going to do it. Um, I don't think you want to do that at the last second. Not a great look, but uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's they still have it in the back of their pocket, I suppose. But uh, you know, you win this week, you got two to win one. Should be able to do it, right? Yeah, that I mean, I was on the radio this week and or earlier today, and uh, they asked me about it. And I said it kind of feels like a booty call, you know, like you just kind of making this <laughs> little late night desperation move here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll <laughs> it, it, we'll see how. Uh, how late it gets for them. If, if they win, you're right. I think if they win this game, they're, they're, there's a lot of um, a big sigh of relief uh, about that whole situation. And you talked about it last week when we were doing this. If they'd played that ECU game and they'd have won that ECU game, a lot of these conversations we ha- we're having right now would feel very, very different. The pressure to win a game would not be nearly what it is right now. And and you know even the thought of uh, of you know winning the coastal I think would feel more realistic to them uh, they might actually be able to think about it had they had they played that game and won that game yeah it's going to be a wild three weeks here uh, obviously they know what they have to do I mean uh, you know it's in the back of their heads um, but it starts this week and, and they, they need a win and uh, it's not a team with a ton of senior leadership and you just wonder how they'll kind of respond and how they'll you know who do they look to and get the backup quarterback in there it's just a tough situation for them for a young team to sort of be in the middle of and, and how do they respond and what do the coaches get? Because uh, I think it's surprised the coaches is that they've been so up and down um, that it's been such a you know roller coaster. All right, you want to do pick three? We can. All right, uh, go for it. My first one, I mentioned this book, 
uh, the other week, Michael Conley came out with his new uh, uh, novel, and it made me feel old. I thought he was going to kill off his main character. Uh, uh, he doesn't. He teamed him up with a new character that he's kind of developing, and um, but it seems like the sun is setting on his the the uh, focus of his series that he's written for you know going back 20 years because um, he ages in real time. So um, it made me feel like the sun was setting, and that you know just one of those things where you start to be like, oh boy, it's it's you're getting you're getting up there when you know your your author's retiring his <laughs> character that he's had for 20 plus years. Um, it was a good book, uh, but it just sort of depressed him. Like, is he gonna do this? Is he gonna really do it? Because you know, you don't do that unless you have unless less books done. to write than you than you know ahead of you. Um, but yeah, it was kind of it was it was an interesting sort of experience. That is a bummer. It was, a bummer. It, was it was just you know it's time too. I mean, you know, he's written however many books, like twenty plus books about one character, and you want him to go out on your own sort of terms. Um, but it was <laughs> the realization that that could be happening now uh, was uh, was sort of like, oh man getting up there my first one will be book related too have you ever heard uh, does the name richard bachman uh mean anything really. to you okay that was th- some people a lot of people don't know this but stephen king wrote under the pen name richard bachman okay. for a little while um and he did it because he wanted it was after carrie had already come out and he was already famous and he wanted to see if people actually liked his stories or if they just got it because it was stephen king uh richard bachman books are fantastic uh, there, I like them better than Stephen King books. Uh, the, the Running Man was a Richard Bachman book. Uh, the Long Walk was a Richard Bachman book. The one I'm reading right now is called Roadwork. I just started; it's pretty good. Uh, he, I think, he takes a few more chances as Richard Bachman, and he takes plenty of chances. Did he get as outed Stephen at King. some point and then stopped, or what? Did yeah, he I can't remember the story. He told the story on, on one of the audio books that I heard, but uh, I can't remember exactly. Somebody, yeah, somebody outed him. And so he did, he stopped doing it, but he I think he was going to do it for longer than he did. Maybe he wrote like five or six books. But my second one is a sort of weird. One. It, uh, schooling, um, they're n- my kids are never in school. MCPS cancels school like every other day because they don't have school today because of voting. They right. had fall break last week. They had a teacher's day the other day. Um, it just feels like they're just never in school. So it's very frustrating as a parent that's trying to work. And and balance uh, childcare that like it's like every other day they have no school. I remember having school a lot more than my kids have school. Oh, just wait till winter. I mean, they take no chances. And look, well, I'm that I built. I mean, we were in Alabama, so it's like there's any hint of like you know there's a cloud. Just like shut everything down, right. pack it in, get inside and panic. But I mean. Just, it, I mean, knowing that, too, it's just like, I mean, they're going to never go to school. Right. No, and uh, look, I'm, I'm okay with them doing the two-hour delays and with them doing the cancellations when it when it snows because, I mean, I, you know, all those people that have always bragged about, well, up in up in New York, we, we don't stop. And yeah. it's like, well, okay. You want kids York. safe, and I understand that. But, I mean, they just don't need to be missing this much, these many days. I mean, you know, the voting, I guess, because, you know, some of the schools are polling places, but... Um, I mean, come on, right after fall break? I mean, don't, you got to just spread these days off. I mean, every week shouldn't be like a four-day, three-day week. And especially with the young, we have a younger one who's like watching, and it's like, well, when, you know, they get out of the rhythm, and then it's just like a fight every morning to get them to go to school. They should be going to school every day is, I guess, what I'm saying. Well, my second one will be what my son didn't do while he wasn't at school today, or what, and, and what he didn't do was anything. He he has received his uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, and that is all he's doing right now. And I'm going to let him do it. It's his birthday present, so I'm going to let him do it for a while. Um, I did pet the dog, as I, I saw uh, you can pet the dog. Uh, I did that. Um, 
Hannah, my daughter, wants to pet the horse. Other than that, I, I've just kind of stayed out of his way. I haven't really looked too much at the game. I know we talked about it before. There's some things in there that are probably not so great, kind of Richard Bachman-type stuff in there probably. But um, Buy some Stephen King stuff. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, but he seems to be enjoying it, so um, I'm happy that so he likes So you're not going to take a few minutes to sp- give it a spin, or you, you've passed it to the point where you can't can't try it? I think I I think I might, but I, I'm not gonna take it away from him right now. Like I'm not gonna take his time with it because I know what it's like when you get a new game. Like right. he'll get bored with it, and then he'll it'll be bequeathed to me, and I'll be able to play. Is it your system or is it his system at this point? Well, Santa brought it last Christmas. Santa brought so it. So it was Christmas? kind of a family thing, and and up until recently, it was only being used for like as like a DVD player. So what's the last game you've played through as like a like sitting down and playing a game? On PlayStation, I mean, I played a FIFA game, maybe. I mean, FIFA, yeah, but nothing like a, nothing like a game game, like a like a non-sports game. But no, nothing like a fantasy, like maybe Fantasy Star Two, which was for Genesis. Like I played. That was probably quite a few years ago. That, that many was years ago, but we got the the the, the platform. Oh, the retro. Yeah, one of and it was, yeah, yeah. It was it was very um, uh, nostalgic. I really enjoyed that. So have you tried to get your kids into it, or are they just... Oh, yeah, it? yeah, they played it. They loved it. They loved it. Oh, that's good. Well, my third one, I, I, it's been such a, a blur the last couple of weeks, it feels like. I and mean, we got a trip to Pittsburgh uh, uh, coming up. Well, so that that could be the third. I'm, I'm excited about the food in Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, Pimenti Brothers, I know it's very touristy, but I, I, I enjoy a good sandwich. Uh, we'll probably do that once. Uh, anybody have recommendations, we'll, we'll gladly take them because um, Pittsburgh's a good town. Uh, it is. And it's got good food. Um, and we're going to be staying right by kind of by Heinz Field. So uh, looking forward to that trip. I've uh, been to Pittsburgh a couple of times um, and looking forward to eating some uh, some food. Yeah, I, it is my it is one of my favorite trips like that you can do regularly. I mean, I'd say Miami beat top, but a lot of people on this beat put Boston ahead of this trip, and I don't. I, I put Pittsburgh ahead of Boston. I enjoy it more. The food is great. Uh, there's a casino uh, that can be hit. Um, do you like casinos? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Last last time we were up there, I won. I think seven or eight hundred dollars. It was it was good. good. It was good. Uh, okay, my last one will be uh, food related. Uh, after the game the other night, you know, it's getting kind of late. Usually, I like to go Mexican or something, you know, or, or Texas Roadhouse, but there wasn't much open, so I went to. And I didn't want to be that guy, you know, that sits down, you know, 15 minutes before they close. So I went to Long John Silver's. And it's been a while since I went to Long John Silver's, and it was it was delightful. I enjoyed it. So what was your order at Long John Silver's? I got Silver's? the number one. It's What's the uh, number two one? Two pieces of fish, six shrimp, and two sides. Do they say what the fish is, or is it just mystery fish? Uh, I think it's Alaskan cod, I think. Alaskan cod? Uh, I think so. Um but does it say that, like on the menu, or does uh, it just could no, they give you different, it's fish. or just assume fish? <laughs> That's terrifying. Um, but I ended up, you know, because I, you know, my my strategy for eating now is, you know, you got to take your time. So I ended up eating, getting three meals out of that 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 number one. Like I brought it, I ate some of it on the way home, and then I ate some for lunch the next day, and then I had the rest today. And when we pack up here, I may go get another number one. I'm I'm <laughs> thinking about it. 
And I know it's got trans fats in it. It's like one thing in, on, on Earth that I know actually has trans fats is like the, the batter. Good luck. I mean, I hope you make it to Pittsburgh at that point. You're not a fan of, of the no, uh, no. LJS. I, huh? Seafood is something that like I can't do on the cheap because it's like it's scary. Because like if you know seafood's easily like it could really upset your stomach, and so it's just like just really scares me that you're getting like. Two pieces of fish and six shrimp for like two dollars. It's just like that's <laughs> no, it was that's like ten. Bucks. That's scary. That's price, scary to me. I mean, it's all you know, Red Lobster doesn't do anything different with their clams. They pull uh, them out of the freezer, throw them in the well. fryer. Uh, let me add one more. We, we Tommy and I went to Iron Skillet on the way to uh, Virginia. Our and that was fantastic. I I've I never been to Iron Skillet. Is that a buffet? Is that a buffet? Uh, they have thing? a buffet. Uh, we didn't get the buffet. We got, I got, he got chicken strips. I got the country fried steak. <laughs> it was, it was like the least healthy thing. But uh, the funny thing was that the menu had a calories on it, right? And it's like, why are you gonna do that to me? You know, why are you gonna ruin? Denny's did that too. They put calories on it. It's like, oh, now, now I can't order this burger. I think they're mandated now to put calories. Well, on maybe. Stuff. But uh, the country fried steak had a range of calories of like seven thirty to like thirteen forty. So I was just like, "Oh, I must have got the no." But that would see I, my mind would go to like a to like we we might serve you cat or we might serve you actual beef, <laughs> and so that would change the calories. <laughs> I think I think it's that's si- a dark place to go. For, yeah, that is dark, Richard Bachman. Uh, all right, well that's that's about it for today. <laughs> we will give you a full report on our meals from Pittsburgh next week. We're not going to Iron Skillet. I will be on this trip, and I'll I, be I'll be I have a quality threshold that uh, it's I, fine. that I it's have. It's fine. I am amenable to whatever you decide you want to do. I, I'm I'm not hard to please. But um, obviously, you're eating Long John Silver in the car and then eating it three <laughs> days later. That's true. Could do, could do whatever. It's that's like, true. That does kind of sum it up, doesn't it? All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We'll get back together again next week. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarling. We'll see you next time.